0: The woman at the inn. There was a woman who kept uh, the pilgrim's inn at Hara under Mount Fuji. Her name is unknown, and it is not known when she was born or died. She went to talk, went to hear a talk by Hakun who said, They they say there is pure land where everything is only mind, and that there is a Buddha of light in your own body. And once that Buddha Of light appears, mountains, rivers, earth, grass, trees, and forests suddenly glow with a great light. To see this, you have to look inside your own heart. Then what you should be looking, what should you be looking out for? When you're looking for something that is only mind, what kind of special features would it have? When you're looking for the Buddha of infinite light in your own body, how would you recognize it? When she heard this woman when she heard this, the woman said, this isn't so hard. Back home, she meditated day and night, holding the question while she was awake and during her sleep. One day, as she was washing a pot, she had a sudden breakthrough. She threw the pot aside and rushed to see Hukan. She said, I have met Buddha in my own body. Everything on earth is shining with a great light. It's wonderful. She danced for joy. Is that so, said Hukan. But what about a pile of shit? Does it also shine with great light? The woman ran up and slapped him. She said, you still don't get it, you old fart.
1: Hukon roared with laughter. So what thoughts do we have? We have no idea what this koan means. None.
2: What about their relationship? How do you see that?
1: You know I'm I'm I was quite amazed
3: that she had the boldness to run up to him and slap him. Um And I wondered what that boldness came from. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know the f- fountain from which it <laughs> flowed. Um, I expected Hakuin to roar with laughter. We've heard many koans and stories where <laughs> under the most <laughs> incredible circumstances, I remember the koan of the of the three or four monks who all traveled together and when their friend died they just laughed and laughed and laughed do you know that one do you remember that one kim and people thought it was crazy but they were laughing because they didn't see it's th- th- sort of the harshness of death that we do in in our everyday lives or the loss they they just they were like oh he's finally gone he finally gets to a bond they were just Delighted. So anyway, I don't I don't know. Do you I think don't
2: one of them has the upper hand.
3: No, not in the sense mm-hmm. we usually mean that.
2: Do you think they have a good relationship?
3: Yes, yes.
1: I still wouldn't
0: slap someone. Right. I I think though that she had this revelation, and rather than walking into the joy of her revelation as she had assumed he would he's really going on to the next okay so you got you did that but there's still things to go on to there's still that pile of shit that you've got to deal with maybe and so i think in a way he is kind of bringing her back down to back down to earth you know so to speak that that, that's great you, you got it but but you're not done yet
2: another way of of taking it is that she's got the upper hand and she's mm-hmm. she's present presenting this thing to see if where he is in his practice
1: in but they're certainly mm-hmm. playing with each other aren't they these women are really really sharp that's that's one of the things i like melin i have nothing more
4: to contribute <laughs> rather than melissa's comment
1: i so, echo
2: so maybe maybe if we finish early we can read a little about pure land buddhism but <laughs> um, as i remember this come on and hey quinn Um, He wasn't like the father of Pure Land Buddhism. And so there's a comment here about Pure Land Buddhism. When I was writing to prisoners, um, they really love this because it's closest to Christianity and you go off to a place where everything's perfect. So I think there's a message, we'll read about it. But if I remember this, it's from a long time ago that there's a message here also kind of playing with the pure land idea mm. that they're both they're both doing so but let's see i i don't know whether i just made that up or or what but let's we'll find out i think
4: maybe someone else has made it up for you
1: <laughs> okay i think and it's me yes it
4: are you afraid of this happiness Behind all this, some great happiness happiness is hiding.
1: Yehuda Amichai.
4: Reader, my story ends with freedom, not in the usual way with marriage.
1: Harriet Jacobs.
4: When Buddha had his first intimations of his own enlightenment, a strange question arose in his mind. Are you afraid of this happiness? Happiness requires a certain surrender. You have to give up your idea of happiness in order to discover what happiness is. It's like the child not thinking about riding a bicycle when he's learning. Okay, that's not Overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelmingly hard. Now, is it? Wait, there's more. Your happiness is threatened through your idea of you. Happiness could overturn some things you know about yourself. Happiness asks, are you willing to be a different you? Or are you willing to be not you?
2: I th- I think when you read it, you said your happiness is threaded, did you? And it's your unhappiness is threaded through I the think. idea of you.
4: Thank you. Your unhappiness is threaded through your idea of you.
1: Hmm. I love this page.
3: And I I just want to point something out. I love the Harriet Jacobs quote. Reader, my story ends with freedom, not in the usual way with marriage. And I don't think Harriet Jacobs is saying anything negative about marriage. That it's good or bad, that it's a, a free or unfree state. I just think that she is saying marriage is the custom of the way story ends. And mind ended with a different outcome that included freedom and unmarried freedom as opposed to sometimes a married freedom
2: and that's really our next book isn't it
3: mm, i don't know i haven't read it
2: yet. Yeah, we haven't read it yet. well the, the enlightenment would be freedom
0: mm-hmm.
3: no matter your state whatever conventional state or situational State you're in. It's a lovely first page.
0: Although I I do read it that it that the freedom was in. It's not usual. Let's see if you have the commas there, reader. My story was with freedom, not in the usual way, with marriage. Mm-hmm. I kind of got the impression that it's not usual to have freedom in marriage, but this did. So. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Hers, too. Another and way maybe, to... Maybe, okay. under the,
3: maybe under the customs of the time, marriage did feel very binding. When, I, don't I don't
2: know who Harry Jacobs is. I don't either. Oh. Don't either.
1: It's okay. Just, Sometime
0: we can go back and look at the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Put in a...
2: Well, I'm just looking at here, American writer in 1861, Mary mm-hmm. Jacobs, the first African-American female slave to author her own book. That changes it a lot, doesn't
1: it? Yes. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I have to show you a picture of her. She's so beautiful.
4: Mm-hmm. Just a second. Speaking of knowing a little bit more than just read or see.
2: Yes, Glenn and I have been talking about this, right? Hmm. So so are you just referring to that, that we've been? Yes. Yeah.
1: An abolitionist.
2: He wrote under a pseudonym, Linda Brent is now considered an American classic.
3: (laughs) Well, born into slavery. Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) That reads funny, though. She was sexually harassed by her enslaver Wikipedia. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Just had to lighten it up a little bit there.
3: Yeah, I would imagine sexually harassed is sort of a light way of saying other things. If
1: she yes. was,
2: yeah. I'm just wondering if, if now the
1: statement, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this that most stories end with marriage, and her stories ends with freedom. It it, it could be, given the place and time. Hmm.
2: Another Thank way. You
1: for
2: Oh, another way to say this is that happiness might be right under your nose at this minute. If it is not here, then it is not anywhere. Happiness is a risk to the self, you know, (laughs) because it doesn't require your familiar plot line. When people need a change of view, sometimes you have to take them Far away from their lives and their own plot lines in order to find a moment when they forget who they are. It is also true that when you go far away, you may find that the place is not very like a home. Though it's with the addition of say camp, Count- like is not very like home. is very like home. And I did There's it twice. No wow. You may find that the place is very like home, though with the addition of, say, camels or kimonos, and that we travel in order to be more intimate with our lives. Here is a koan in which we as readers can go far away to an inn on the Tokado road between Tokyo and Kyoto in the late 1700s. It's about someone who managed to forget who she was while in her own kitchen, perhaps a longer journey than the one we take to meet her.
1: The hmm. hmm.
0: Koan. A woman ran the inn at a station on the pilgrimage route to Hara, a village under Mount Fuji. No one remembers her name but she had a great awakening in her own kitchen her eyes looked directly at you and she made up her own mind about things both men and women felt at ease in her company she turned her turn of thought was practical and she liked to cook clean sew and do every year she salted plums she made vinegar out of persimmons for her old trees She cut up radishes and cucumbers and put them in pickle jars, adding vinegar, spices, and seaweed that she had gathered. She enjoyed the smell of rice cooking and the vigor of steam. In autumn, there were pears. In late autumn, chestnuts. Light sped through the paper windows. The old brown wood wrapped around her like the fabric of a well-worn kimono. And she was happy. This was the point of being human, she thought, to have her hands inside the world, moving its colors and shapes. Her children grew and her life unfolded, placid, then shocking, then placid again. A son died of tuberculosis. A daughter sang beautifully. When travelers tied on their sandals in the mornings, they departed into the stories they had come from. And sometimes she longed to step into a story herself. Her thoughts went out to Edo, as Tokyo was then called, and even Holland, home of the foreigners who were allowed only onto the island in the harbor of Nagasaki to trade.
1: I think we skipped Nelda the last time.
0: Oh, you know what? Did we? I'm sorry, Nelda.
1: It's all good, but then
3: go ahead and then I'll step into my place after you.
4: Okay. One year there was a cold spell and the life she had known began passing from her like autumn leaves. She didn't know why perhaps her older children growing up and leaving home left a void. Perhaps there was no reason. In any case, the plum blossoms stepped back behind an invisible barrier so that they didn't pierce her heart that year sites so
2: you know what a slight is uh, yeah
4: yeah but i don't know enraged enraged.
2: oh but. made her mad
4: hmm. thank you slides enraged her she woke foaming in the small hours when a guest asked asked for a small service she told her get it yourself her husband worried about soldiers breaking down the doors and about a killing at another station up the road, but she was inclined to laugh. Sometimes she felt so much that she could hardly breathe. Her husband tonight, sorry, her husband thought it might be grief over the loss of their son, but it wasn't grief. If she had known a spell to undo her pains, she couldn't have said it.
1: Wow, that's an interesting last statement. Why do you suppose? That's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I go back to somehow that last sentence for me
3: connects with slights enraged her. Le daban rabia, Milen, not just mad, rage. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason, when I read that in juxtaposition with if she had known a spell to undo her pains, she wouldn't have said it. I'm wondering if she needed to release all of that. If there were things inside her that at one time she wasn't aware of, that as time passed and she entered this other season of her life, she noticed? I, I don't know.
2: So the, there was there's a rabbi here. maybe you've heard me tell this story. and he um, after bearing doing funerals for, for a thousand people, he did as one of his parents. and then he spoke to us and he said, um, their death took me to a place that I really revere and in a way, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I wish I could stay there. So, mm. um, you know, there is that that benefit of pain that makes, and, and that also in the idea that that the best realm to be born in is the human realm because it gives us a chance to, for enlightenment because we do have, these challenges, so.
3: Thank you, Kim she,
2: she felt alive.
3: Yeah, in her pain. With this. It yes. was lovely, Kim. Thank you for sharing that
1: story. About the rabbi? Yes. What she felt was
3: not an accident. She had always known that sooner or later, she would have to face such a moment. She knew about the poet Basho, a wanderer who walked the Tokaido Road 50 years before. When she opened one of his books, the first thing she read was a poignant account. Basho had come upon a two-year-old running along the highway in distress, crying and hungry. The child's family couldn't feed another mouth and had turned him loose until his life should vanish like the dew. Basho wrote, I threw him some food from my sleeve as I passed. And he wrote this poem too, as a gravestone. You've heard a monkey shriek for this abandoned child. What is the autumn wind like? The poem released something in the innkeeper. She hugged her breast and felt the cry in her own body. She thought that although she didn't want to go down the road her guests took, a journey was definitely called for.
1: As she went about her work, she listened for a voice, a direction. The
2: inn had one treasure, a piece of calligraphy with the character for long life, given to someone by the local Zen teacher, an eccentric named Haquin. The writing was beautiful, though amazingly rough, and she felt alive when she looked at it. The person who understands that roughness, she thought, might know what is happening to me. When she went to hear the old man, the hall was packed and he made her laugh. It turned out that he was famous, though not apparently pious. She began meditating a bit, sitting and breathing, or concentrating on washing the endless dishes that made up (laughs) an innkeeper's life. This meditation didn't seem to be a new direction, but perhaps it was a condition for a new direction. She found a little more space between her thoughts. The trees began to step nearer again and she calmed down for a while, but she knew that it was a temporary lull and that her journey not yet begun waited inside her.
0: Hakun's talks were a mixed bag. They confused her. She went to sleep. She grew sullen and argumentative. Her skin itched. Hakun gave advice to great ladies and local lords, to samurai, fishermen, and rice planters. But it didn't sound like advice. He said things like, Straight away, the rhinoceros of doubt fell down, dead, and I could hardly bear my joy. He'd had a lot of experiences like that. Sometimes he talked as roughly as a soldier and ranted about something that annoyed him—a a rival teacher. Say, a rival teacher. Say, he had a high-flying mode too, and one thing he said went straight to her heart. They say there's a pure land where everything is only mind and that there's a Buddha of light in your own body. Once that Buddha of light appears, mountains, rivers, earth, grass, trees, and forests suddenly grow with a great light. To see this, you have to look inside your own heart. And then what should you be looking for? When you're looking for something that is only mind, what kind of special features would it have? When you're looking for the Buddha of infinite light in your own body, how would you recognize it?
2: Nelda, does this remind you of what we were when we were studying about the marks of the Buddha and you had to be a Buddha in order to see the marks? Yes. You know, that these things are inside.
3: It also reminds me of the practice discussion I had with Joel on Sunday no sometime this past week where I asked him if we are the universe and the universe is us then is the universe itself also in a path to enlightenment and if that's so (laughs) okay and if that's so then I wondered how how the universe meaning all all of creation or whatever word you want to call it And if it's on a path to enlightenment, then how could it hold all enlightened beings? That would seem too small a container. But then there'd have to be another option. And that would be that the universe itself is enlightened. And then if the universe itself is enlightened, then why do we talk about us being on a path to enlightenment? And Joel made a very important distinction that I felt in my body because he talked about the blood throwing, flowing through our veins. And what he talked about made me recall that um, wisdom beyond wisdom is right action and you only know it when you're enlightened. And so what he brought out as one example among several of wisdom beyond wisdom and enlightened action was the blood flowing through our veins. It just does. It doesn't think, it just does that. And that the universe has evolved in such ways that it has created enlightened action. Whether that's the wind or the sun or rain, Or the blood flowing through our veins or how beautifully our lungs work that doesn't mean that because blood flowing through my veins is enlightened action that i'm enlightened but it does mean that i'm surrounded in innumerable ways by enlightened action that's what this paragraph reminds me
2: of so there's a a jewish thing in the kabbalah that God is in everything, but everything is not God.
3: Exactly.
2: And, and that kind of connects to for me that.
1: Yeah. And it also connects to the koan, doesn't it? Yes. So I don't know how
2: I would have answered the thing about a pit of shit.
1: Well, that's
3: also enlightened action. Flies need somewhere to land. I mean, I'm being snarky there, but but really, right. when you think of everything in creation, I keep trying to think of something that hasn't served a purpose. Not, not those things that are hmm, brought about by humankind, like global warming or pandemics or so on. I'm just talking about things as they existed before human um, unskillfulness. And it seems that everything fits in a place. And in that sense, is wisdom beyond wisdom, which is, to me, the equivalent of an enlightened uh, right action. I'll be quiet now. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was very moving for me. That was that brought me that talk with Joel brought me such tremendous joy to know that I am living surrounded by enlightened action
1: never be sorry for sharing them
2: Whose turn is it now?
4: It's me. The Buddha of light wasn't interesting to Hakuin's funding sources, but he was someone the poor country people prayed to for a good rice harvest, the freedom for from bandits, the children, and grandchildren, and for lower taxes for the innkeeper, the words were spoken just to her. she had to herself she said to herself, "This isn't so hard." She had finally discovered a wish that had been secret even from her from herself. She wasn't confused any longer and she didn't try to think through what. Hakuin meant she just wanted to spend time with the corn.
1: She told her family, I feel that happiness is as
3: near as my skin. And she brought Hakun's words to mind when she was awake and even during sleep. Inside your heart, trees shine with a great light. The words accompanied her everywhere. Her husband asked if she had become fanatic, but she wasn't in the mood for jokes. This isn't about you, she muttered. And he knew that she was right. After that, he tried not to get in the way and to help unobtrusively. He hoped that she
1: would find what she was looking for. Meanwhile, if the trees
2: emanated a light, she certainly couldn't see it. But gradually she began to feel a connection with the things around her. A wooden rice bucket quivered with life. The doorway made a perfect doorway. At birth, she had been given a doll made just for her. And as a child, she believed that the doll danced at night. She could never catch it dancing, but in the morning it was more alive. The rice bucket was like that. Whenever she looked, it (laughs) it just stopped dancing. (laughs) This connection was really a light but wasn't not a light either. So I was telling my grandson that this horse was followed, we were walking home and, and I was telling him that this horse was following us and I would turn around and see it. And then he turned around I said, oh, it just, it just went fast, you know, he couldn't see it. So then a little later, he said, he turned around and he said, look, 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 I see it. And I looked around and he said, oh, it just left. <laughs> it was so fun
1: oh, you got it. he's got your number granddad
2: yeah
0: <laughs> see my turn yeah yeah. one day as she was washing a pot she had a breakthrough breaking through into what into where she had washed thousands of pots but her life was in this one she was just scrubbing, actually, when she com- when she completely forgot herself, forgot her chapped hands and her wet clothes and what kind of thoughts she was having. There are dreams so deep that on, a- on waking the dreamer, can't at first remember her name or where she is or even what she is. It was like that for her. The walls, the bowls, her own hands were utterly strange and new. The moment had no end, and she didn't know which of her words was the dream, which of her worlds was the dream.
1: I like that idea. Mm -hmm.
4: She saw daylight coming out of the bottom of the pot and reasoned carefully to herself that this couldn't be true. The sunlight wasn't just in the pot. When she looked around, everything was bright. The paper screens, the tatami mat floor, the sound of a harness jingling outside, the smell of daylight. That was a particular feature of her change of heart. She saw things glowing with light. It was as if they had a song of their own. And that song was light. She began to laugh and couldn't hold it back. Her youngest child came in to stare at her enthusiastically, at her enthusiastically, wondering if she had gone mad. <laughs> but the woman's laughter set her moving out of the kitchen at a run. She tossed the pot aside and rushed to see Hakuin. She couldn't wait to tell someone who understood. By the time she got at his place she had settled into a jog. Hakuin happened to be sitting on the steps outside his room looking at nothing in particular. As soon as she saw him, she began waving her arms. As if words could bridge the gap that was still to be covered, she shouted, hey, and started babbling.
2: Uh, Babbling. Babbling. You know, that's like talking without making any sense. Yes. Kind of like a baby.
3: (laughs) And brooks, water, rivers, also babble, the ripple of the water. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. I've met Buddha in my own body. Everything is shining with a great light. It's fabulous. It occurred to her then as she ran that she could test each thing she saw against her happiness She could test digging the ground on a cold morning, and the happiness was there. She could test her sorrow over her lost child, and when she did, she felt the warmth of her love for him, and then his life seemed complete. Brightness fell about her. She tested on an angry soldier. Fine. She tested dark bent cypress. Each thing she saw had become perfect and without flaw. She looked at Hakuin's face and saw the creases of age along with the amusement that often seemed close
1: to the surface with him. The light was in him too. She danced with joy.
2: Hakun had the general attitude. If you've seen one enlightenment, you've seen them all. <laughs> but he liked what was irrepressible, including this woman. He stopped looking at nothing in particular. She felt him open to her and meet her delight with his. He came straight at her. Is that so? But what about a pit of shit? Does it also shine with a great light?
0: She jumped up and down like a child, a test, a test. It was the test she had been just given herself. Of course, of course, she thought. Even shit gives off light. There is nothing that doesn't. And he pretends that he doesn't see it. She enjoyed Hakun's mind so much that she went up to him and slapped him and said, You still don't get it, you old fart. Her thoughts were not really thoughts. They just appeared without her intending them. They formed themselves a little like this. I see you. I see you. So does my slap give off light?
1: Hakun roared with laughter. He had his number, granddad. (laughs) That's great. Working with the con,
4: your own, ki- your own kitchen might be a good place for a deep change of heart. There was a Chinese woman called Yu, Yu, who had her big experience while she was making donuts. She hurled the pan into onto the ground. What are you doing? cried her husband. That isn't your realm, she replied, and ran off to see her teacher the way our
1: innkeeper did. Pots and knives are among the first things humans ever made. A koan is sometimes
3: imagined as a knife, cutting through every thought the mind brings up, pruning the vines. When someone works hard to concentrate and cut off the branches, the branching paths of a given moment, that metaphor seems to fit the method. I'm gonna read that again. When someone works hard to concentrate and cut off the branching paths of a given moment, that metaphor seems to fit the method, yeah. Bodhisattvas of both sexes often yield swords with as much glee as a
1: knight of the round table at a joust.
2: could be just as interesting to imagine a koan as a pot or a vessel. In this approach, you would embrace whatever happened as something belonging to the koan. Whatever joy, memory, celebration, or desire happens, into the pot it goes to get cooked and transformed. A sculpture, sculptor said, the koan's been working on me and I on it. For a while, I've been working on the idea that the koan itself is a container like this. I don't need to work on anything else. Just these words of the koan. I don't need to fall apart if I'm having a bad day. The big negative emotions aren't scaring me. I like to see how they feel in my body rather than thinking that I should fix them. And I've been sensing the body analogy to the koan as well. There's a place in my middle that gives a lot of internal support and energy. Strangely, it also seems to be a place where I can anchor the koan, but I've been finding self-confidence. The voice that enjoys and appreciates the art that I make is getting much stronger. I'm finding many things easier. If you are working with the pot metaphor, you don't have to interfere with your thoughts or feelings. (coughs) You you needn't approve or disapprove of them. This This is not the moment of pruning. It's more like the moment of making wine. Compassion has to start somewhere, and embracing your own life is itself the beginning of a change of a heart. Some people do speak of a koan as a lover in their arms.
0: If this koan of the innkeeper appeals to you, you might want to notice whether you can see the light in the most ordinary of places. Can you find the light in your own kitchen? Can you find it in your own body? Where is the light in your own face? At what point in your life are you certain that there is no light? Is it painful to hold that belief? You might try to point out the light to a child. Hakun's question about the pile of shit is just a version of, can you bear to be this happy? And can you find this beauty in all circumstances? Or is there instead some part of your life that you think of as a pit of shit, a place where you never expected to meet happiness?
1: Is, is, that, is that trauma?
4: I
3: don't think so. I don't think it has to be trauma necessarily. I, I don't have never met a, a single person in my life that in their lives haven't felt some sense of regret or longing or nostalgia for times that were or disappointment in times they hoped for that didn't become. I just think that's
1: really human. As
4: people change, they often mention, with apologies or amusement, that the toilet has suddenly become beautiful to them. Shit is fine, peace is fine. I take it as measure of the feeling that no part of life is without tenderness and intimacy. You also
1: might find it interesting to consider the name of the woman at the station inn.
3: This is a good question to ask yourself, because it makes no sense, since the name of the woman is the one thing about her that we are not given. So you have to use all your resources and rely on what you don't know. Does the unknown name speak to you? If you find the innkeeper's name, you might be able to get
1: her to dance. If you can find Hakun's laughter, you can be amused yourself. What does that mean to y'all?
3: Does the unknown, well, if you can find the innkeeper's name, you might be able to get her to dance. I understand the second one, if you can find Hakun's laughter, you can be
1: amused yourself, but that prior sentence
0: Name names are important, and they identify not just like people, but they identify traits. Usually, when you it depends on what your what your name. So if you can if you can find her her name, then you can know how she get how she dances, like her doll, uh, her doll dance. Her danced.
2: dancing would be inside you.
0: There you go. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: If you could know her.
1: Yeah, to me, it is the roles
4: that they have. If you can find the roles as a metaphor of this innkeeper and her search and her finding.
1: So do y'all feel any less connected
3: to her inner joy, not, not knowing her name.
1: I mean, I agree that names are powerful. Um, But I, I, I didn't feel any less connected with her
3: journey. I just needed to. I think it's a metaphor
2: for, can you know the innkeeper? And I'm also thinking about sometimes. With with art, at first it's like paint on a canvas, and then it's a two-dimensional thing, and then it comes alive, and it's flowing, and it has it's in three dimensions or four or five or whatever. So I think he's just saying if you can know the time, and really feel the innkeeper. So the name is is not, I mean, it's not a literal thing. Okay, like Helen,
0: no, it's not maybe
2: it's if you can know that, that was, it, what go on
0: oh i said maybe that knowing the name gives her the ability to pass on her happiness um because she knows who she is and she knows what she wants to do i don't know
1: do do you guys know
2: the poem by t.s Eliot on the naming of cats
1: Oh yes
3: isn't that the, isn't that the poem on which um no 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 it's a different poem on which the musical cats is based forgive me
2: cuz it has the same idea i'm going to just read the last line of it
4: so while you find out find that uh
2: i found it go on <laughs>
1: So, what is Hakuin's laughter about? What do you think? That she caught him. That I mean, that. How, how can I say it, it?
3: It so reminded me of Kim's story with his grandson. Like, oh, you really think you're there? Well you know, it, does shit even have a lie? And she's like, oh, he's trying to trick me. Of course it doesn't. You know, like, yeah. like, you, you know, that roughly. would be,
2: t- that would be typical that with a teacher testing the student
1: yeah.
2: and, and you can't be confident in your enlightenment unless you're tested by an
1: enlightened teacher.
2: And so <laughs> it wouldn't make sense. Oh, I'm so glad you're enlightened. I mean, that would be kind of pretty dumb if he said that. But instead, he he gives her a test. And then they, they both kind of, you know, <laughs> dancing
1: to the joy. I like that. It's one of my favorite poems.
2: even though I don't like
1: cats.
2: (laughs) So uh, I'll just, the first lines are, the naming of cats is a difficult difficult matter. It isn't just one of holiday games. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. And then at the end, uh, when you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason I tell you is always the same. His mind is engaged in rapt rapt contemplation of the thought uh, or of the thought of the thought of his name is ineffable, effable, effable, effinino, effable, deep and inscrutable singular name. So that's the cat thinking of its own name.
3: And by the way, that is the um, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats that is oh. the book upon which the musical
1: Cats is based. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, we're here. And
0: Let's see, did you just finish reading, Kim?
2: Maybe you could read. No, okay. who's, who's after me? Uh, no. Yes. I'm, okay.
0: Yeah. I'm a, okay. So, where are the, the, the women's are discoveries? You. Ah, the women's discoveries were about her own nearness to things. If you have empathy with someone, you join them. For a moment, you have the same heart. If you have the same heart as someone, you know their name if you assume that there is really a light in the a light you can think of as the pit of shit, a place where you never expected to meet happiness. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. That's not what. Yes, it was no
2: a light in your own kitchen right if you assume that there really is a light in your own kitchen right
1: right
0: yes
2: then you probably notice that sometimes you can see it
0: sometimes nothing is needed and you are not afraid of
1: any happiness yes that's it sorry
2: And then Milan.
4: When you can't see the light in your own kitchen, could it be because you are making things small, measuring your life in coffee spoons? Buddha's question to himself, are you afraid of this happiness? It implies that we can be afraid of happiness. Happiness is a great risk to your own sense of yourself. You have to forget who you are in order to be happy or to do anything wholeheartedly. Often you want often what you might think of as yourself is a list of problems and achievements, particularly problems. Without the problem, you couldn't need anything. You could lose your citizenship in the society of people who need things. If you have a problem, you need closure or revenge or to understand your mother or to have your partner meet your needs. Yet, most of these things are extremely unlikely to to occur. And not one of these things could bring happiness if it did occur.
1: Hmm. On the other hand, if you forget what you know about yourself, you will
3: still pay your mortgage and love your child. When the beliefs fall away, what is, left, what is left really does look like love. Here's a modern account of the discovery of light in the kitchen. Maybe the first thing that happened was that everything was looking back. Everything was responding to me, seeing it and the understanding, the feeling that we were not separate. we were in the sweetest, awesome relationship to each other, family. This was absolutely engaging, whether it was a friend's luminous face summoning me to the interview line or the door ajar on the porch. One night I was on my way back up to the lodge. It was raining and dark and I had this tiny flashlight. When I flashed the light, Whatever I saw engaged me, a leaf, a piece of bark, the rivulets in the road. It took me hours to get home, and I was really wet. So I spent a lot of that night on the road, but it was the same by day in the kitchen or the meditation hall. There was very little awareness of time, and I felt no pain, not the usual morning arthritis
1: pain no pain from sitting in the back or shoulders.
2: One test was with my sister who had always been critical of my perspective. Connecting with her was a dearest wish, but I had long since given up thinking how to pull it off. (laughs) Then everything changed. One minute there was the horrible, cat cavernous relationship we had had all of my life. Then poof, it was fine. She called me up out of the blue to tell me what color she was painting her new house. That's a great color, I said, I was happy for her. The next day she called to tell me about something she was going through, I listened. The next day she called me up to tell me she loved me. She calls me every few days now.
0: The only thing I can imagine about the change with my sister is my perception. But it wasn't announced. It had to be felt. Love, there is so much love. You see it. You see that bird over there. And at the same time, you feel it walking in your heart. It's not just birds. Everything is walking in your heart. I never had really put the words love and Zen together in the same sentence. Look in Zen literature, there's not, it's not there really. Then I learned I heard the word intimacy, and that does show up in the literature. It's a perfect word because it carries the ideas of love and respect and awe, and the awe is huge.
1: Later,
4: I asked her, What was the strangest thing about love that you noticed? She said, "You know, I'm not exactly. You know exactly. Sorry. You know, I'm not exactly what you could call the zen posture girl. What is that?
1: Perfect
2: Mm -hmm. zen girl, I would think. Okay. That's anyone else?
3: No, the you. That's it. The perfect example of a zen Mm -hmm. female."
2: hmm yeah
1: thank you you know oh, wait the- wait
2: wait i have to
1: show you what it looks like the- seriously oh i don't joke um <laughs> here <laughs> what oh my goodness oh my goodness what
4: i think those are contemporary interpretations
3: oh but look those are all the
1: chakras in her blood i'd (laughs) like to think of them as the chakras (laughs) i don't know what they are
2: (gasps) okay so now we know what the zeny poster girl looks like (laughs)
3: Well, that's not me for sure.
4: (laughs)
0: How funny!
4: (laughs) Melan, go ahead. I need
0: the
4: I need the reading again in the screen, please. Okay. Okay, you know I'm not exactly what you would call the semi-poster girl. I'm fat, color my hair, and never understood cons before. I'm not cool. So if our ancestors so graciously show, show up for the likes of me, I think we can call, we can say they'll be there for just about anybody. I'm Tasmanian, I said, I know what you mean.
1: Oh, me? When you're
3: not afraid to forget who you are, life in the kitchen or life in the office might contain huge and overwhelmingly and overwhelming happiness. Everything you look at, the door, the walls meeting in the corner of the room, the light shining on the cell phone might be so alive that it looks back. Other people might not be who you thought they were. Family members might be as fresh and surprising as strangers. And you, whom you have only apparently known all your life, might be fresh and surprising to yourself too. You might not have a perspective for someone to criticize. You might no longer know what you could not do. You might be an owl or an oak tree for a moment, depending on what the world shows you. And finally, when you're not afraid of your happiness, You don't get in its way. You want to finish up first,
2: Kim? I have a friend, a woman who said, oh, for me, it was as if I stepped into God's living room. Trees and cliffs. It was simple. I stopped knowing what I couldn't do or live up to. What did you decide to do? Oh, to get married. Will you do the ceremony?
1: (laughs) (laughs) god's living room
2: so we could read the koan again do you think that would be helpful the beginning
1: yeah let's do that let's do that
2: because this is a little strange and i also would like to i think i can find a little bit different version of the story and it was more about her enlightenment with the pan. It's in um, The Hidden Lamp, the book of women's Zen stories.
3: Do y'all you, do you want to read this version again or if Kim can find it that I can version.
2: find it and it
3: Would be I interesting ha- to see the differences.
2: Okay, I will find it. Uh, it's Hidden Lamp, hidden lamp. Maybe I have to sort by your title.
4: Is that the one that we read before, the one we're reading in Women in Zen? No, no,
2: no. This was a, the whole beginning of um, Women in Zen, we, we went this. Okay.
1: The old woman yeah. in the Pure Land, number four. Sorry,
2: oh, I, maybe these aren't links, uh, they are. Huh. In China and Japan, many millions of Buddhists have been, and in, the, in Japan still are devotees of the Pure Land doctrine. According to this doctrine, a Bodhisattva made a great vow, which in time fulfills itself as a manifestation of the Buddha, Amitabha, infinite light, who created a pure land paradise in the West for those who would take his name with faith. For the pure land, it was easy to attain, final nirvana. An old lady of this faith was walking along the road when she met a a Zen master who said to her, on your way to the pure land, eh, Granny? She nodded. Holy Amitabha, was there waiting for you i expect she shook her head not there the buddha's not in his pure land where is he then she tapped twice over her heart and went on her way the zen master opened his eyes wide in appreciation and said you are a a real pure lander oh so i'm i'm um
1: confusing two old women's stories but that one was good it was good too
2: yeah yeah i don't remember that story and the story i remember well it's got to be related because she has a frying pan and she's kind of despondent and then she sees this flash of of fire in the in the front Frying pan and becomes enlightened. So maybe I shouldn't
1: give up so easily. Well, maybe for tonight we should. Okay.
3: If that's all right, and we can pick it up another time, and and uh, if you happen across it before you leave for Chicago, that would. Well, be-
2: I'm, we're going to be here next week. Yes. Yes 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 i'll find it all
3: right thank you everyone okay have a good evening
2: thank you guys girls women yeah.
1: <laughs> all of the above bodhisattvas
2: <laughs> bodhisattvas
1: thanks nalda